Chapter 10 of Australian Legendary Tales Folklore. This is a LibriVox recording. LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Australian Legendary Tales Folklore by Mrs. K. Langlow Parker. Chapter 10 Miame the Seven Sisters. Warana had had a long day's hunting, and he came back to the camp tired and hungry. He asked his old mother for Durry, but she said there was none left. Then he asked some of the other blacks to give him some doomburst seeds that he might make Durry for himself. But no one would give him anything. He flew into a rage and he said, I will go to a far country and live with strangers. My own people would starve me. And while he was yet hot and angry, he went. Gathering up his weapons, he strode forth to find a new people in a new country. After he had gone some distance, he saw, a long way off, an old man chopping out beast-nests. The old man turned his face towards Warana and watched him coming. But when Warana came close to him, he saw that the old man had no eyes, though he seemed to be watching him long before he could have heard him. It frightened Warana to see a stranger having no eyes, yet turning his face towards him as if seeing him all the time. But he determined not to show his fear, but go straight on towards him, which he did. When he came up to him, the stranger told him that his name was Maruna Milda, and that his tribe was so called because they had no eyes, but saw through their noses. Warana thought it very strange, and still felt rather frightened. Though Maruna Milda seemed hospitable and kind, for he gave Maruna, whom he said looked hungry, a bark weary filled with honey, told him where his camp was, and gave him leave to go there and stay with him. Waruna took the honey and turned as if to go to the camp, but when he got out of sight he thought it wiser to turn in another direction. He journeyed on for some time until he came to a large lagoon, where he decided to camp. He took a long drink of water and then lay down to sleep. When he woke in the morning he looked towards the lagoon, but saw only a big plain. He thought he must be dreaming. He rubbed his eyes and looked again. This is a strange country, he said. First I meet a man who has no eyes and yet can see. Then at night I see a large lagoon full of water. I wake in the morning and see none. The water was surely there, for I drank some, and yet now there is no water. As he was wondering how the water could have disappeared so quickly, he saw a big storm coming up. He hurried to get into the thick bush for shelter. When he had gone a little way into the bush, he saw a quantity of cut bark lying on the ground. Now I am right, he said, I shall get some poles and with them and this bark make a dodo in which to shelter myself from the storm I see coming. He quickly cut the poles he wanted, stuck them up as a framework for his dodo. Then he went to lift up the bark. As he lifted up a sheet of it, he saw a strange looking object of no tribe that he had ever seen before. This strange object cried out, I am Balganannu, in such a terrifying tone that Warana dropped the bark, picked up his weapons and ran away as hard as he could, quite forgetting the storm. His one idea was to get as far away as he could from the Balganannu. On he ran until he came to a big river, which hemmed him in on three sides. The river was too big to cross, so he had to turn back. Yet he did not retrace his steps, but turned in another direction. As he turned to leave the river, he saw a flock of emus coming to water. The first half of the flock were covered with feathers, but the last half had the form of emus, but no feathers. Warana decided to spare one for food. For that purpose he climbed up a tree so that they should not see him. He got his spear ready to kill one of the featherless birds. As they passed by, he picked out the one he meant to have, threw his spear and killed it. 
then climbed down to go and get it. As he was running up to the dead emu, he saw that they were not emus at all, but blackfellas of a strange tribe. They were all standing around their dead friend making savage signs as to what they would do by way of vengeance. Warrener saw that little would avail him the excuse that he had killed the blackfellow in mistake for an emu. His only hope lay in flight. Once more he took to his heels, hardly daring to look around for fear he would see an enemy behind him. On he sped until at last he reached a camp, which he was almost into before he saw it. He had only been thinking of danger behind him, unheeding what was before him. However, he had nothing to fear in the camp he reached so suddenly, for in it were only seven young girls. They did not look terrifying, in fact, seemed more startled than he was. They were quite friendly towards him when they found that he was alone and hungry. They gave him food and allowed him to camp there the night. He asked them where the rest of their tribe were and what their name was. They answered that their name was Miame and that their tribe were in a far country. They had only come to this country to see what it was like. They would stay for a while and thence return whence they had come. The next day Warana made a fresh start and left the camp of the Miami as if he were leaving for good. But he determined to hide near and watch what they did and if he could get a chance he would steal a wife from amongst them. He was tired of travelling alone. He saw the seven sisters all start out with their yam sticks in hand. He followed at a distance taking care not to be seen. He saw them stop by the nests of some flying ants. With the yam sticks they dug all around those ant holes. When they had successfully unearthed the ants they sat down, throwing the yam sticks on one side to enjoy a feast, for these ants were esteemed by them a great delicacy. While their sisters were busy at their feast, Warana sneaked up to the yam sticks and stole two of them, then taking the sticks with him sneaked back to his hiding place. When at length the Miyame had satisfied their appetites, they picked up their sticks and turned towards their camp again. But only five could find their sticks, so those five started off, leaving the other two to find theirs, supposing they must be somewhere near, and finding them, they would soon catch them up. The two girls hunted all around the ants' nest but could find no sticks. Warana crept out and stuck the lost yam sticks near together in the ground. Then he slipped back into his hiding place. When the two girls turned round there in front of them, they saw their sticks. With a cry of joyful surprise, they ran to them and caught hold of them to pull them out of the ground, in which they were firmly stuck. As they were doing so, out from his hiding place jumped Warana. He seized both girls round their waist, holding them tightly. They struggled and screamed, but to no purpose. There were no one near to hear them, and the more they struggled, the tighter Warana held them. Finding their screams and struggles in vain, they quietened at length and then Warana told them not to be afraid he would take care of them. He was lonely, he said, and wanted two wives. They must come quietly with him, and he would be good to them, but they must do as he told them. If they were not quiet, he would swiftly quieten them with his Marilla, but if they would come quietly with him, he would be good to them. Seeing that resistance was useless, the two young girls complied with his wish and travelled quietly on with him. They told him that some day their tribe would come and steal them back again, to avoid which he travelled quickly on and on still further, hoping to elude all pursuit. Some weeks passed and outwardly the two Miyame seemed settled down to their new life and quite content in it, though when they were alone together they often talked of their sisters and wondered what they had done when they realised their loss. They wondered if the five were still hunting for them or whether they had gone back to their tribe to get assistance. That they might be in time forgotten and left with Warana forever, they never once for a moment thought. 
One day when they were camped, Warrener said, This fire will not burn well. Go you two and get some bark from those two pine trees over there. No, they said, we must not cut pine bark. If we did, you would never more see us. Go, I tell you, cut the pine bark. I want it. See you not that the fire burns but slowly? If we go, Warrener, we shall never return. You will see us no more in this country. We know it. Go, women, stay not to talk. Did you ever see talk make a fire burn? Then why stand ye there talking? Go, do as I bid you. Talk not so foolishly. If ye ran away, soon should I catch you, and catching you would beat you hard. Go, I talk no more. The Miyamu went, taking with them their combos with which to cut the bark. They went each to a different tree, and each with a strong hit drove her combo into the bark. As she did so, each felt the tree that her combo had struck, rising higher out of the ground and bearing her upward with it. Higher and higher grew the pine trees, and still on them, higher and higher from the earth, went the two girls. Hearing no chopping after the first hits, Warrener came towards the pines to see what was keeping the girls so long. As he came near them, he saw that the pine trees were growing taller even as he looked at them, and clinging to the trunks of the trees high in the air, he saw his two wives. He called to them to come down, but they made no answer. Time after time he called them as higher and higher they went, but still they made no answer. Steadily taller grew the two pines, until at last their tops touched the sky. As they did so, from the sky the five Miyame looked out, called to their sisters on the pine trees, bidding them not to be afraid but to come to them. Quickly the two girls climbed up when they heard the voices of their sisters. When they reached the tops of the pines, the five sisters in the sky stretched forth their hands and drew them in to live with them there in the sky forever. And there, if you look, you may see the seven sisters together. You perhaps know them as Pleiades, but the black fellows call them Miami. End of chapter 10